I don't know if you have noticed, uh, but men and women are different. <coughs> men and women are not the same. Uh, not in every way, certainly. Uh, men and women uh, do have much in common, uh, sometimes uh, more in common than we sometimes like to admit. Uh, but nevertheless, men and women are different. I remember hearing uh, of a couple, and the wife was sharing this story, how she was struggling, and she was struggling with how uh, few friends she had. She didn't have someone who she would call her best friend, someone she could confide in. And she uh, mentioned this to her husband and um, shared her grief that she didn't have many friends to share with. And her husband, uh, full of action, immediately uh, got out a flip chart. And on the top of the flip chart, he wrote, plan to find friends. And he started to make a spider diagram of how he, um, his wife might be able to find some more friends. And uh, the wife who's telling this story said she just cried. <laughs> because that wasn't what she wanted. Uh, she didn't want a five-step plan for finding more friends. In a sense, she didn't want a solution to the problem as such. What she wanted was to know she was understood. She wanted to know that her husband was with her, that her husband understood her, that her feelings were okay. Uh, that he supported her in her uh, anxiety and in her problem. Uh, he wanted to help, but she wanted support. Uh, he wanted to make a plan. She wanted to know that he was with her. And it's perhaps with uh, such husbands in mind that Peter writes the words he does in verse 7. Uh, in verse 7, Peter writes, husbands, likewise, dwell with them, that's your wives, with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Uh, Peter gives two instructions to husbands in this verse. Now, the two instructions aren't mutually exclusive. There's quite a lot of overlap between them. Nevertheless, there are two instructions. He says, firstly, dwell with your wives. Live with your wives with understanding. And secondly, he says, give them honor. Give them honor. Dwell with them with understanding and give them honor. Now, he doesn't say to husbands that they should pamper their wives cater to their every whim, but neither does he say he should patronize them or pity them. He says, live with them with understanding and give them honor. Now, before I go further, I'll say again what I said uh, the other week, uh, that I am very conscious that uh, I'm in some extent speaking out of turn. Um, I'm not married myself, and I'm very conscious uh, of the fact that uh, if I had been married for 30, 40 years, what I say now might be slightly different in some way. Uh, I'm sure that experience would uh, change 
the way I'd phrase things anyway. But trustfully, what I'm saying will be what Peter is teaching here. And Peter was married. Uh, He did know what that experience was like. And so you can judge whether what I'm saying fits with what Peter and is teaching what Peter himself is teaching us. Now, as I said, men and women are different. It has been said that men are from Mars and women are from Venus. And that's putting it a little bit too strongly um, because although men have differences to women and women have differences to men, that does not mean that understanding is not possible. Uh, Men often like to say, don't they, that they can't fathom the mind of their wife. Uh, They around the golf course or whatever, might uh, frequently uh, bemoan the fact that they cannot wrap their heads around what their wife is thinking. But the reality is that our thinking isn't quite so different as we would like to think. And often it's not because our wives or our husbands are unfathomable that we don't understand them. It's because we don't take the time to understand where they are coming from, what their point of view is. And in this verse, Peter is saying to husbands, you have a responsibility. You have a responsibility to understand your wife. Not completely, necessarily, but you have a responsibility to dwell with your wife with understanding, appreciating where she is different from how you are. And it should be said at the start that when we say different, that is not implying that one is better than the other. Uh, Clearly, men are not better than women, and women are not better than men. They are simply different. Uh, What's better, a bowling ball or a ping-pong ball? Well, it depends what sport you're playing. (laughs) Uh, If you're doing bowling, then you don't really want to use a ping-pong ball. If you're doing ping-pong, you don't really want to use a bowling ball. Uh, They're good in their particular role in the right place, but you don't want to get that role wrong. And it's the same with men and women. They're different and they're good in their proper place. And to live with understanding is to understand the distinctions, the differences between a husband and a wife. Uh, Just before we get to the three things Peter wants us to understand, it reminds me of a a story of an old lady who was uh, shopping in a supermarket. And uh, she was short and she was small and she couldn't reach up to the uh, higher shelves. And uh, as she was straining to reach, a giant of a man came round the corner and um, he asked her if he could help at all. And she gratefully accepted and he reached up to the top shelf and uh, brought down what she needed. And she thanked him and then said to him, "Um, is there anything you want from down here? (laughs) And that kind of gives a little picture of what the relationship between men and women should be like. Uh, A complementary one. One where we rely on the strengths of the other. Uh, That's what Peter says we should do uh, if we are married and indeed wider as we interact as men and women. But as I say, uh, Peter gives three things in this verse 
that husbands must understand. Uh, Three things that husbands must understand as they care and protect their wives and live with them with understanding. Firstly, he wants husbands to understand that their wife is more fragile than he is. His wife is more fragile than he is. Secondly, he wants them to understand that his wife, their wives, are fellow heirs with them. They are fellow heirs with them. And lastly, he wants them to understand that their prayers will be hindered if they do not treat their wife right. Their prayers will be hindered if they do not treat their wife right. And as I say, you can judge whether what I'm saying is in line with what Peter is teaching here. So let's look at that first thing Peter wants husbands to understand that their wives are more fragile than they are. Uh, look again at the verse, verse 7. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel. As to the weaker vessel. Now, in, today, in today's day and age, uh, it's difficult to say this without being accused of sexism. And we should make clear that Peter's not saying here, of course, that women have weaker faith than men. Uh, He's not saying women have weaker intelligence than men. That is obviously not the case. But we also know, if we let ourselves, that it is a simple fact of life that, generally speaking, men are stronger physically than women. That's why in sports you do not have men competing against women. Uh, I think Serena Williams, famous, uh, the greatest women's tennis player that's ever lived, uh, she said herself that she won't have a tennis match with, uh, they, were, they were suggesting she have a match with Andy Murray, and she said there'd be no point. She would lose six love, six love, because men naturally have a greater physical strength. And that's not a bad thing. That's not to the detriment of women or to the praise of men. It's just a reality. Uh, There is also an emotional element to this. Uh, Apparently, I don't know who did this study, um, perhaps you can question it, but apparently on average a woman will cry five times a month. Uh, A man will cry only once a month. Uh, We know this, don't we, that uh, women have uh, a often deeper emotional life than most men. Uh, Perhaps because men are physically stronger, uh, men tend towards leaning or lean in towards physical strength to solve problems. Uh, If you know boys, uh, if they get into an argument with their friends, what are they going to do to solve it? They'll get in a fight. And generally, after the fight is over, the dispute's forgotten. Uh, Girls tend not to take the same approach. Uh, Women tend to take a more uh, emotional approach. Uh, They do not lean on physical strength in the same way. And often, as a result, they have a greater emotional intelligence than men. Uh, These are just realities of life. And Peter says here, 
that husbands need to understand that reality, that women are the weaker vessel. And that's not, as I say, in a derogatory way. It's just simply uh, stating a reality. Uh, look at it this way. Now, when you were a child and you hurt yourself, uh, who would you most often run to, assuming you had a mum and dad in the home? Well, it's mum, isn't it? <laughs> you run to your mum because generally, generally speaking, you'll get more sympathy from your mother than from your father because women tend to have greater depths of empathy. Uh, sadly, not always the case, but often is true. Uh, that can be a problem in some cases. Uh, some women, and some men for that matter, are too emotional. They're too led by their emotions and not enough by the cold light of reason. Um, by the same token, some men are far too led by logic and reason, and some women too, than they are understanding emotion and understanding the need to be sensitive and caring. Uh, if you ever watched The Sound of Music, um, you'll know that that's a story about uh, a captain who loses his wife, and uh, he has, I think, seven children, I think it's seven children, and he runs his house like a ship, and he has his children do things on the command of a whistle. And uh, he treats them as though they're like sailors on the ship. And then, of course, Maria comes. And she is hired as a nanny to these children. And she brings in uh, a more feminine uh, uh, influence into that home. And you can see the weaknesses of a kind of raw, harsh masculinity and you can see the benefits of a softer femininity. Uh, and that is what Peter is drawing attention to here. He's saying, husbands, live with your wives with understanding. Understand that she has needs that perhaps you do not have. Uh, understand that she has vulnerabilities that you perhaps do not feel. Remember that she has fears that you perhaps have never even considered. Dwell with your wife with understanding as the weaker vessel. Remember, she's like a precious crystal that can be easily broken. That's the first thing Peter wants husbands to understand, that their wives are more fragile than he is. This leads on to the second thing. Uh, Peter doesn't leave it there. That's not all he has to say. Secondly, he says, remember, your wife is a fellow heir with you. Look again at the verse, verse 7. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life. Uh, Peter makes clear to husbands that if they are married to a believing wife, a wife who is a believer, then their wife has a relationship with God all of her own. Uh, a wife doesn't come to God through her husband. Uh, she has access to God herself through Christ. Uh, the only mediator between any believer and God is Jesus himself. And no one can rely on a spouse 
uh, or a parent or, or a pastor, for that matter, to get them to God, to uh, build their relationship with God on. Uh, if you like, the door to heaven is a turnstile. Uh, you can only go there one at a time. And all of us, if we are a believer here this morning, have a unique relationship with God as an individual through Christ. That's what Peter means when he says that a wife is a fellow heir with her husband if they are both believers. And what this means is, for husbands, they need to appreciate that though their wife is their wife, first and foremost, she is a child of God. First and foremost, she is a child of God. Uh, I know a father uh, down where I used to live who uh, met with a man who uh, was asking to marry uh, one of his daughters. And they met at a service station uh, at a place known as Caxton's Gibbet. Uh, Some of you may know it. And it's uh, called that name, the Caxton Gibbet Services, because in centuries gone by, that's where they used to hang people. And uh, to this day, they've got a a gibbet, um, not without the noose, but there's a little gibbet, a little wooden gibbet, uh, by the service station to remember the history of the place. And it was at these services that Um, his father met with a man who wanted to marry his daughter. And they talked, and uh, the father gave his blessing to this young man to ask for his daughter's hand in marriage. But before they left, uh, the father said to the young man, remember the gibbet. (laughs) Remember the gibbet. And it was a tongue-in-cheek warning that he must care for his daughter. Uh, He must care for and cherish the daughter that he was giving to him. Now, young men should rightly be fearful in a good sense of the potential wrath of their intended father. That's a famous uh, relationship, isn't it? Uh, Of young men afraid of their intended, their uh, betrothed father. But if that's so, how much more should all husbands, if they have a wife who is a believer, be afraid of the wrath of God if you should harm his daughter? Because that's what all believers are. They are all children of God. And so husbands should care for their wives as though they were a daughter of God because they are. So a few weeks back that wives should treat their husbands as their king. Well, we can say just as much from this verse that husbands should treat their wives as a princess because they are children of the king of kings. Peter says, remember that. Remember who your wife is. But there's more to it as well. Uh, Notice what Peter says. He says, she is an heir together of the grace of life. That means 
that if your wife is a believer, she has been given eternal life as a gift from God. Just like you have, if you are a believer. You don't deserve it. It's not something you've earned. It's freely of God's grace. And that should help when times get difficult, when your wife doesn't act the way she should, when she's not as patient as she should be, uh, when she's harsher than she should be. Husbands need to remember that she has been saved by grace. And so a husband should be willing to forgive because God has forgiven first. Jesus famously taught, didn't he, that we should forgive each other. Uh, Because how can we withhold forgiveness from another when God himself has forgiven them? And that's nowhere more true than in the case of a believing husband and wife. Uh, There will be times where you're tempted to feel bitter, when you're tempted to feel uh, abused and misused. Nevertheless, Peter says, remember that she is an heir of the grace of life. She's been given eternal life as a gift. She's been shown grace by God, and so she should be shown grace by her husband as well. Uh, That doesn't mean, of course, pretending that faults don't exist. That's not what showing grace is. It's not pretending there's nothing wrong. Uh, That's not what Jesus does. Uh, Jesus doesn't just sweep our sin under the carpet and pretend it's not there. He deals with it. That's part of his grace. It doesn't mean ignoring sin. It doesn't mean um, uh, simply just turning a blind eye and saying, oh, no, it's not there really. Jesus provides discipline. Uh, Jesus works with us. He makes us more like him. And a husband with love and care should seek to draw his wife and make her more like Christ, as she also should be with him. Uh, It's not about pretending problems don't exist. It's about working with the problems and together becoming more like Jesus Christ. That's what a marriage should be. It means that we must never resort to petty revenge or tit-for-tat kind of recrimination. Instead, husbands and wives need to remember that they are heirs together of the grace of life. But that leads to the third and last thing that Peter says that husbands must remember. Uh, We've seen that he says uh, that husbands must remember that their wife is more fragile than he is. Uh, Secondly, he must remember that she is an heir with him of the grace of life. But lastly, he is to beware because his prayers will be hindered if he doesn't treat his wife right. Look again at the end of the verse. Verse 7 again. Husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. 
Peter very clearly here warns that your relationship with your wife, if you are a husband, will affect the answers to your prayers. Now, I have no way to prove this, but I suspect that one of the chief causes of unhealthy churches at bottom is because of husbands showing inadequate honor to their wives, or at the very least, it's Christians failing to love their nearest and dearest as they ought. Because that's the foundation of church life. That's really the foundation of all life. Uh, The family is the bedrock which God builds society on. And if that's rotten, then it will seep into other areas of life. And Peter says here to husbands, treat your wife with honor, dwell with her with understanding that your prayers are not hindered. The Bible is abundantly clear on this point. Uh, What matters most to God is not how much theology we know. Uh, It's not how many times you go to church on a Sunday. Uh, It's not how much money you give into the box. It's not how well you preach or you uh, teach the gospel. What matters most is how you treat those closest to you because that demonstrates the reality of the spirit's work in your life there have been many great preachers in history who have not been believers who have not preached through the power of the holy spirit Uh, many people have been very generous without the holy spirit many people have been very clever and intelligent without the holy spirit But it requires the Holy Spirit to live lives of genuine sacrificial love for another. Uh, D.L. Moody, who I mentioned earlier, he once said this. He said, if I wanted to find out whether a man was a Christian, I wouldn't go to his minister. I would go and ask his wife. We need more Christian life at home. If a man doesn't treat his wife right, I don't want to hear him talk about Christianity. Peter warns husbands, how you treat your wife will be a reflection of your relationship with God. Beware lest your prayers are hindered. Now, some Christians are troubled um, by this idea uh, because they think, but but hold on, Uh, I thought we were saved by grace. No husband is perfect, and uh, surely if God was to number our sins, none of us would stand. But that's not what Peter's saying. Peter's not saying that husbands need to be perfect. He's not saying that they must be faultless. He's saying they must live in a way consistent with the grace that has been shown to them. Peter's not saying this is how you get to heaven, by treating your wife right. What he's saying is the evidence that you have been given the gift of heaven, that you've been welcomed into God's family, is that God will change your heart so that you start to start treat your wife in the way that she should be treated. We don't enter God's family by being good. 
we're made members of God's family by grace, and then God's grace makes us good, makes us more like Jesus Christ. Because we're part of the family, God sets about making us worthy of the family that we've already been accepted into. That's what God's grace does. And Peter is saying here that the chief evidence of God's grace working in your life, if you are a husband, is that it will affect the way you treat your wife. So beware. Uh, Beware treating your wife with dishonor and not dwelling with her with understanding because your prayers will be hindered. Now, I could end there, uh, but I don't want to. I think there's one more thing which needs to be said. Uh, Because I don't know what you're feeling now if you're a husband here this morning, Uh, but it's possible you might be feeling that you failed uh, in many ways. This is a high standard that uh, Peter, and ultimately God, of course, holds us to. And you might be feeling... Uh, like a failure, Uh, feeling like you failed in many ways. But what you do next will be all important. Uh, How you respond now will make the difference in the future. Uh, With the kids in YPF, we've been uh, looking the last two weeks at two different disciples of Jesus. Uh, Two weeks ago, we looked at Judas, And last week, on Friday, we looked at Peter. And both Judas and Peter messed up in a big way. Judas betrayed Christ. Peter denied Christ. Both realized their sin. Both came to an awareness of the wickedness of what they had done. Judas Uh, cast the money that he had betrayed Jesus for back in the temple, saying he'd betrayed innocent blood. And we're told that Peter wept bitterly when he realized that he had denied the person he loved most in the world. But Judas and Peter are in two different places right now. And the difference was how they responded to their sin. Judas gave up. Judas said it's all over and he ran away and hung himself. Peter, on the other hand, did not give up hope. Although he wept bitterly, he did not run away utterly. He was still to be found days later, even after Christ's death, with the disciples And at the end of John's Gospel, we're told how Christ restored him. Christ forgave him. And Christ gave him a new task to feed his sheep. The difference wasn't that Judas was bad and Peter was good. The difference was Judas was bad, Peter was bad. But Judas ran away from Christ. Peter ran to him. That's why I say what you do next is of crucial importance. Uh, You may be feeling your failure. uh, You may be feeling a degree of guilt. But don't run away from Christ. Run to him. Be like Peter. Confess your sin and ask him for the help that only he can give to do better 
in the future, that you might live with your wife with understanding and show her the honour she deserves. And that's why I've chosen as our final hymn, number 607, at least our final hymn for this section of the service. Number 607, a prayer that we would become more like him. Number 607, may the mind of Christ my Saviour live in me from day to day by his love and power controlling all I do and say. And then after this, we will be meeting around the Lord's table. Uh, So remember that. But let's sing now number 607.